hello, hello. Welcome back to the Dynasty Wonderland podcast with me, your host, the Mad Chatter, Ryan MK. Follow me at RMK Madness on the Twitters, on the gram, and with me as always by my side at this Mad Dynasty party, the March Heron, Aaron Stewart. What's up, buddy? Oh, not much, man. I am just excited. It is draft week. Finally, all the BS stuff on Twitter can end. We can finally know where rookies are going to go and then start new arguments. That's right. That's right. And I'm very excited. Very, very excited because we have with us a guest. I mean, I, it, you know, keeping with the theme of everything, you know, our very own Dormouse, if you will. Although, although in reality, much, much larger than a Dormouse. And he is the man, director of content at Roto Underworld. You can follow him on the Twitters at Carpentier NFL. The man, the one and only, Cody Carpentier. Thank you for joining us on the Dynasty Wonderland podcast. What's up, boys? I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, it's like you said, it's draft week, baby, and this is uh, this is this is what it all has come to. This is the most exciting time of the year for me, my opinion. Um, most hectic, I would say, but I mean, it's just. I just want to see where these guys are going to land. You know, who, who blows the draft up early on? Who, who takes the surprising pick? How far does, does Justin Fields fall? I mean, uh, we get all the answers this week, baby. And I, I can't wait. Me neither. Me neither. I know we're all excited. It's going to be awesome. But before we get into, you know, the, uh, the football chatter, we're going to do, oh, wait, 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 first of all, first of all, now that Cody is officially on the pod, I do have a bit of a public apology here. See, a couple of weeks ago, I had a couple articles going. I finished one. I'm about done with the other one. I just got to go in and edit some stuff. And I go in to do that, and it dawns on me, oh, fuck, I forgot to do some of this stuff on my last article. Quick, go fix it. I go to fix it. What does my article say? currently being edited by Cody Carpentier. Oh, shit! I don't know if he's ever edited one of my articles before. And now, I, I forgot some stuff, and it's been a few weeks. Ryan, what are you doing? You forgot. I, how could you forget that? I, oh, no. You need to apologize to him. How are you going to do that? And of course, I never did. So it's a good thing you came on the pod, so I can publicly say apologies, Mr. Carpentier, for, you know, forgetting. So I just know one thing in particular was the text hyperlink. I told, I don't know how I forgot that, but I was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. So public apology from the Mad Chatter to Mr. Carpentier. Good, sir. <laughs> it's, apology accepted, man. A, no worries at all, man. No worries at all. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, a, a deep, deep, I guess you ether, if you will, of content over there. And it's, right. uh, I mean, things get lost and, and, and you just keep turning out great content. That's all we're really worried about. There's, there's no worries, no worries in the world. Thank you, man. I do, I do appreciate it. I do appreciate it. <laughs> I still felt like a little bit of a fool. So apology <laughs> done. We move on before the football i we like to get into a little bit of nonsense before sometimes i like to get a little serious like we discussed before recording i I'm a little i do i don't quite stick to sports but have no fear people we're gonna have fun with mr cody here and i mainly there was a big event i would say a few days ago for me i guess throws me back to some nostalgia uh from my childhood and so 
It was the Mortal Kombat movie coming out this past Friday. And I had a lot of fun. Did either of you check out the movie? Do you care about Mortal Kombat? Did you what? I feel like I'm a few years older than you guys. So I don't know if you were big fans of the old one when you were in your youth. Let me know. Mortal Kombat fans, yes or no? So not entirely, but I did play the game Mortal Kombat, you know, all the way through high school. And that was like, uh, there you go. Pretty, pretty, I mean, intense, I guess, if you will. But I have yeah. not watched the movies at all. Okay. Mr. Aaron. And I haven't checked the movie out yet. I'm there intrigued. Yeah, and it's got to be better than a 1996 version, right? I thought it was great. I mean, see, here's the thing. For my age at that time, that movie was fun as hell. It was like, we finally got a Mortal Kombat movie. Because the Street Fighter movie also came out around the same time. And it was terrible. Jean-Claude Van Damme as Gal. What was this? What is going on here? So Mortal Kombat was like, it had the theme music to it and everything. It was exciting. Looking back, yes, sort of lame. <laughs> but this new one has gotten mixed reviews but i had a lot of fun if, if you don't if you don't if you aren't one to nitpick movies because i have a brother that is but he also went to like film school and stuff so it's understandable but i really enjoyed it the opening scene is great it has some slow parts but overall if you at all ever enjoyed the mortal kombat games and you're a fan of just action movies nice you know ninja fighting and things like that it's going to have special effect but it is very mortal combat because unlike the old one this one has lots of blood and gore and cursing and things like that that feel more mortal combat so but with mortal combat out the way we're a football pod so what are your top top football movies mr carpentier would you please go first so this was a kind of a tough one for me because I haven't watched many movies in the last couple of years, but I can imagine. I, I, I got to go number one, Longest Yard. I feel like that's the easy number one for me personally. I just loved every part. I think I've watched Longest Yard probably fucking two dozen times. Like, I mean, that's, that's the best football movie for me. I think number two has got to be Draft Day. If you don't like draft day, I mean, you know, like the draft, it's pretty self-explanatory, <laughs> right? That's one of the best, you know, real, realistic. I mean, we don't ever get to see the real, you know, inside the war room unless you get like a little minute clip on Twitter here or there. But like that, right. the whole movie just, I think it's laid out great. And then uh, I think Blindside maybe. And uh, I don't know. I think that's probably, that's probably, that's probably my list. I dig it, man. I dig it. Now. I'm assuming you're talking about the original Longest Yard. I'm talking about the, no, no, no. I'm talking about the Adam Sandler Longest Yard. Oh, okay. You, you know what? I'm with you. There's just a whole lot of people out there who, if yeah, you say you yeah, like the new yeah. one better than the old one, lose their fucking minds. Anyway, Aaron, please go. <laughs> well, I'm going to say that the two of my top three, Cody mentioned already, Longest Yard, of course, like Adam Sandler just... <laughs> He was funny once upon a time. He was funny back then. So, and yeah. I always think of the scene where Adam Sandler's the quarterback. And he just uh, the the refs are screwing him out of the game. And he just he drops back and just throws a cannon right right at the refs. 
<laughs> or, left. <laughs> We're, we're just gonna say he's not having kids. That's <laughs> you got to wonder how many quarterbacks <laughs> saw that and wished they could do that. You know? Oh man! Hey, you just have to have the receivers run the same routes. <laughs> what? I just it was there. I, I'm Josh Allen. I, I no accuracy. <laughs> and then of course draft day. Draft day. I mean it's draft week. Of course we're gonna talk about draft day. And, and, you know, I went back and looked at some of the movie and I was like, the funny thing was like, you know, spoiler alert. It was like the, the number one overall pick being a linebacker. It's like, what? <laughs> but as Cody mentioned, it's like, that's the closest that we're really going to get to the draft experience. And that's, we, we could be film critics, but just enjoy the film for what it is. But my number one movie, it's nostalgia for me. It's remember the Titans. And the main mm-hmm. thing was back in my high school days, like, if you knew it was going to be a good day in class when you had a sub and they put in remember the titans like you've probably seen that movie more times than any other other movie so don't even remember much about the movie it was just like yeah awesome we're watching remember the titans again so we're not going to do anything today sweet you know what i love me some titans because two of my three you fellows have mentioned so i'll go with mine number three would be the new version of The Longest Yard. And and see, with mine, I tried to go a little outside the box. I knew you guys, one of you guys at least, would say draft day. Uh, I, I, I'm surprised you've, you've both mentioned The New Longest Yard. <laughs> because again, I get screamed at by people who say, nope, it's the original. So, Longest Yard, number three for me. It's a great movie, but one of my favorite aspects is Mr. Tracy Morgan being the prison cheerleader. I find him absolutely just a delight during that movie, yes. And, and so that's my number three. Number two is one that not a lot of people seem to remember or, or know about, but it was called Necessary Roughness. That's right. And it had, uh, God, what is that game? Scott Baluk. Beluka or something like that and it had Kathy Ireland Sinbad Sinbad was in it I can see the faces and you guys have no idea what I'm fucking talking about do you <laughs> now I definitely feel older okay just google it <laughs> um, so that's my number two uh and then number one is remember the titans and and i just watched that a lot with my oldest son when he was younger and 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 i just left side strong side i just i love that stuff so gotta go titans number one and uh yeah that's where i'm at with top three and i feel great about it because i my number two was was shit literally because no one knows what the hell i'm talking about All right. I, I can't comp- I can't complain about that. Kathy Ireland is a uh, yeah. She's a, oh, yeah. she might have been she might have been good in that show. Oh, dude, she I never 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 watched it, but hey, she might have been good. She was like the hero of the movie. That team was gar- it's basically about a team they get in trouble some like sanctions right and so they have to basically put together a team and they get this old ass quarterback and they get and they get all these different players i think sinbad's a teacher or something and they and and really they're garbage and then all of a sudden they get kathy ireland as their kicker and they start whooping ass she's like the hero of the film it's great you gotta check it out i honestly i put this on here i haven't seen that movie in years i have no idea if it holds up 
But I just remember I watched that shit with my dad and I was like, this is a good football movie. Yeah, this is a good football movie. So there we go. It's Kathy Ireland. Anyway, we get into some NFL news, of course. One of my fave topics is the Chiefs trading for Orlando Brown. This is great. This is great. They they got rid of a bunch of linemen. Now they're building it back up. I love what they're doing. What say you, man? Well, I'll start here with the, with the trade. The trade was an interesting one. Like what, what caught my attention was like, why the heck are the Ravens trading an offensive lineman to the chiefs? Because right now in the AFC, the AFC goes through Kansas city and, and Baltimore has been a top contender in these last couple of seasons. And, and they know that they've got their own young quarterback, Lamar Jackson, that they're going to have to go through Kansas city multiple times these upcoming seasons so it's like why in the world are they trading pretty solid offensive linemen to a conference rival uh, but for the chiefs it, i'm with you like they they address their biggest need which is protect patrick mahomes but for the for the ravens they came out pretty good too you got the first round pick uh, oh, sure. a whole bunch of other draft picks as well but i was i was left scratching my head i was like I thought they would have traded them out of the conference so that you barely have to play them or well, play against they, them. Maybe the Ravens know something we don't. And but I just look at it as overall that that the Chiefs are it just kind of felt like for a minute there it was like, eh, we won't worry about it because we got Patrick Mahomes. Because that's how right. it feels like some of these teams go about things sometimes. And so th- that they're actually addressing the situation makes me feel a lot better. I guess. And what are your thoughts, Cody? I guess my initial thought was like when this first, you know, came out a couple weeks ago that, that Brown wanted out of Baltimore. Um, I think it stemmed around him wanting to play left tackle instead of right tackle. And, and I just don't think there were, I think there was a disconnect with between either him and the coaching staff or him in the front office, whatever it was. And like his contract is up, his rookie contract's up after this year. And, and I mean, left tackles and right tackles are getting paid, you know, and he's 24 years old. Like he's going to get paid like, you know, 15, 16, 17 million. I think that's maybe what Baltimore was looking at was like, they, they, they don't want this distraction. They want him to play right tackle. He wants to play left tackle. Now he's going to go to Kansas city, play left tackle. They're already in kind of a weird cap situation. Aaron knows this. He, he, you know, he's the, the, the contract master over here at, at player profiler. Fucking he, is you know exactly and right so you know down the road we're going to see an article and it's going to say you know the kansas city contract implications because like you're going to play you're going to pay orlando brown you know close to 20 million a year you got kelsey you got you got all these guys on mega contracts the same situation you're looking at with the rams like they're just overpaid across the board but but anyway why i like this for baltimore Obviously, they knew something. They know something. He wants out, whatever, let him go. But they brought in Dennis Kelly from the Tennessee Titans. They brought in Alejandro Villanueva from Pittsburgh. Mm. Like, the day after they traded him, they they had this plan. Like, they turned a third-round pick into a first-round pick. Brown's a third-round pick, obviously. Like, I like where Baltimore is at with this. I like where Baltimore's head's at with this. They can bring in Dennis, Dennis Kelly, who started for Tennessee for the last few years, like, I don't hate this for Baltimore, and, and truthfully, I don't hate it for Kansas City just because I think Brown is a tier one tackle, but definitely an interesting trade, I would say, to start off the start off draft week. 
Absolutely. And one last tidbit too is that Patrick Mahomes massive extension is, is going to help with, with some of this too, because they are going to be able to restructure that contract right multiple times. And so that's that's going to help balance out like paying all these guys, paying Kelsey, and eventually they better pay Orlando Brown at this point with what they gave up <laughs> for him. So that that contract, when it was signed, people go, what? $500 million? And I'm like, this is the most team-friendly contract I've ever seen a quarterback sign. Right. Yeah. This is why we love having you, man. You're so great with the contracts. He's right. It's so fantastic. Okay, moving on. The Browns pick up Baker's fifth-year option. Thoughts on this, Mr. Cody? It's expected. I mean, I think it would have been bigger news if he would have, if they would have not picked it up. Like, I think Baker's played well enough. I don't think he's obviously played quite to the tier, to the level that they wanted him to play as, as a top pick. But, I mean, you can't really complain with, with the offense he's set up in. I'm familiar with the offense, obviously, because – uh, Stefanski was the, the Vikings you know, offensive coordinator for a year and he was in, in our system. And I think he's using that same exact mold that the Vikings have with Cook and Cousins with Chubb and Mayfield. And I think that works out very well for Mayfield. So, you know, you know the fifth year option, I think it's in that, was it, the, is it in the 17, $18 million range, I believe? Uh, Aaron, yeah. if I correct me if I'm wrong. It'd be like Sam Darnold. Um, if yeah, see, with the Panthers. exactly. I, that's, uh, I'm fine paying Baker that. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they extend him. I, I think they will, um, obviously, beyond. But the numbers, I want to see the number, to be honest with you. I think this is the year that he can earn that 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 next level of money. Like, you can – he's probably going to get extended at the price he's at right now. But, like, he's got to earn that $30 million. Like, I think that's what he's chasing right now. Right. Aaron. And, and to add on to that, as Cody mentioned, it's expected. I mean, he'd have to be really bad. He'd have to be Sam Darnold to, right. to not get that fifth-year extension. Uh, but some of the stats that are supported, it's from a fantasy side, he doesn't wow us because, unfortunately, if you're not a rushing quarterback, it's hard to be one of the elite fantasy quarterbacks. But from player profiler, he threw 39 money throws. That's number two in the NFL. And on the other side, he only 10 of his passes were interceptable passes. That's number 35. So we talk about a guy that's making the throws, but also not, um, not, not causing turnovers. And that's number one thing, like the, for coaches, that's all they care about. Like don't want their quarterbacks going out and having a Jameis Winston 30 interception season. Um, and some of this too, there's, there's so many points left on the board. They had 78 dropped passes, number six in the NFL. So even the passes that weren't completed, you can't really say it's Baker's fault. He's finished top 10 in both true passer rating and total QBR. Uh, one of my favorite stats from the last season is he got in a rhythm. It was the first seven games, he threw seven interceptions. He had like 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And then the final nine games, he only threw one interception. It's He finally got in the rhythm with the Kevin Stefanski system. He was top 10 in play action and deep, deep ball completion percentage. And there's still, from a dynasty and fantasy perspective, he's a solid QB2 in Superflex. He had a four-week stretch, weeks 12 through 15. He was top 12 quarterback. So he, he has shown that he could be a productive quarterback. It's expected. And you know what? They're probably already working on, on an extension. 
I love it. He is one of my favorite pickups for QB2 in super flex leagues. I love having Baker in that second slot. And he really was playing better. And as some people wonder, did Odell being out of the lineup hurt him? And sometimes I'm like, less talent shouldn't hurt somebody, but maybe you wonder if maybe he was trying too hard to get it to Beckham, things like that. Cause it, I guess sometimes it felt that way. It felt like he was playing a little more loose, but on the other hand, the, the Browns were in some shit weather games early on in the season, you know? So that could have also contributed to what was going on, but I, that's why I can't wait to see what they do this year. And it's nice that a fifth year option taken care of. He's okay. So he's good to go. Let's play ball. And, I want to see what happens in this next year because I loved Stefanski and it's a damn shame Minnesota didn't hang on to him, but here he is in Cleveland and I like what he's doing. And so I'm definitely excited for this next year of the Stefanski, Stefanski offense with Baker. I'm loving it. Loving it. Another Stefanski fan. Yes. Yes. Gruden. Well, he's of course in on a quarterback. And a lot, well, lots of teams apparently want a quarterback. We'll get to that later. But John Gruden, this seems to be a thing for him. Poor Derek, Derek Carr, always looking over his shoulder, as he probably should be. <laughs> but what do you guys think? Do they after, actually go after somebody? Because there is a lot of teams. But could Derek Carr's job actually be in Because I can't see them trading up or anything. Because it, it, like, that's what they would have to do. So well, is there any way, I mean... Maybe they go after like a Trask or somebody. I I don't know. What are your thoughts on Gruden and his wanting a QB in this draft? I actually just got done listening to a couple guys that I look up to a lot in in, in these kind of circles. Uh, The draft, especially uh, Evan Silva, John Daggle, guys over at ETR and and, uh, NBC. Um, Daggle actually thinks that Fields is someone that the Raiders could pick if he falls like out of the top 10. Mm. This is like a, like a dead serious thing he was saying, like, cause once me personally, right. So you can back this up to like pick number three. I think Fields is that guy at pick three and, and everything that's came out has said, Mac Jones, um, you know, Michael Lombardi said Mac Jones, but like everyone thinks like, okay, after that point, where does Fields go? Because he's not going to go to Denver. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like he's going to go to Carolina. How far does he fall? And that's when Daggle said, you know, the Raiders are the team. They don't need a quarterback. What they need is defense in the offensive line. That's known. But what right. does the Raiders do the best? They, they just, they nuke every draft <laughs> at, at some point. They're just, you know, Clellan Farrell, Henry Ruggs, they'll do it. And, and I'm not saying Justin Fields is nuking a draft because I truthfully think that would be, an awesome pick because I think Fields is, you know, way better than he's getting credit for right now, which I think is complete bullshit. But that's on an entirely different note. Like if Fields falls that far, hundred percent go in on him. Like like mm-hmm. Carr's contract, zero dead money next year, two point five million dead cap this year. Um, but but to answer your question, like to Trask Mond, I would not be you know if I'm in the Raiders situation, that's not the type. Of player I'm wasting wasting a pick on is, is a Trask or a Mond or Newman and that's you know but I just I, I want to know what you guys think about that particular scenario because I heard that about two hours ago and I was like fields to the Raiders I was like woof like 
woof, could you imagine? Like, that's a that's a big drop. What is that? They're picking at 16, 17, something like that. Like, that's a, what do you think, Aaron? What, what, where do you, you know? Well, and we've looked at these top five quarterbacks, and my goodness, all five of them just they they show traits. Like, even I know we're all low on Zach Wilson, but I was watching some throws, I'm like, Damn, for being the, the fifth quarterback, you know, for, for player – we're player profiler guys. That's where we got him. I'm like, golly, that, that guy can – guy's pretty impressive there. It, but each year in the draft, we see something crazy happen. We always see a player fall, and it does seem that, like, there's going to be a quarterback that falls. And, and I'm actually thinking, like, I want Fields to go to San Francisco, but I have been – adamant that like i've been firm in my stance that like mac jones is going to be the pick at number three and and mac jones will be the qb i believe should be the one that falls but mac jones goes three she talked about there's all these teams that that don't really need quarterbacks like some people are like detroit they've got jared goff but detroit is i think they're gonna try and build this the right way they know that you don't bring a rookie quarterback with that crappy team. Uh, Denver is interesting. That's who I think Fields goes to. But let's just say that Fields slips. We could see it. We're starting to see a lot of negative news. And Las Vegas would be interesting because I, I looked it up here. So, you know, of course, John Gruden got the massive 10-year deal. And he hasn't drafted a quarterback yet. He inherited Derek Carr. And that sure. relationship has always been a love-hate relationship. Like <laughs> – Never once has has Gruden committed to Derek Carr. Like, heck, just last offseason, they paid Marcus Mariota, oh, how much was it? It was at least $10 million. It was – Yeah, I think it was 12 yeah, or something like this. Yeah, it, it was a lot of money for a backup quarterback. And, and the Raiders, as a franchise, they haven't drafted a quarterback in five seasons. The last one they drafted – Connor Cook in the fourth round, like oh, they've, yeah. they haven't drafted anybody, and and you brought up the the salary cap numbers right there. Like this is a perfect time for them to bring in a quarterback. Um, I mean, their defense does suck. I'm covering them for Player Profiler, and they're coming off their their worst season in points allowed, 478 points, and the their draft trends. Like every time people go, this is what they need in the draft, they don't do it. They trade Khalil Mack. They get the fourth overall pick as part of that trade. Or no, they had the fourth overall pick. It was like, trade Khalil Mack. What are we going to take? A running back. So <laughs> them trading up or taking a quarterback that falls to them just seems to make sense. Derek Carr, there's two and a half million dead cap left. Like that's all the guaranteed money left on his contract. So you know, if if John Gruden just falls in love with a quarterback, like he finally has the QB he can take and kick Derek Carr to the side uh, or, you know, probably trade him to get some of the draft picks set back if they end up trading up in the draft. But, yeah, Derek Carr, I've got a little bit more for him a little later in the show. Oh, Derek Carr, really good. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I did not – know about the whole Raiders thing that's interesting I, I think that would be terrible for Fields but y y you never know maybe if they get the quarterback who knows but I I'm more in line with Cody as far as I believe Fields goes three however I do think he could if he doesn't go three he could fall and I'm one with – this is one where I'm more with Aaron. I think Denver could be a team that – and 
it's not because I'm back in Denver and I'm some big Broncos fan. It's just, it's just, I think it's fantasy and just football period. Everything give me fields or Lance in the, in Denver with those fucking weapons, just do it. And and so maybe it's more hopeful on my part than anything, but, and, and, but I could see one of these other teams like a new England, but Las Vegas hadn't thought about that one. So definitely interesting. And you're, you're right. Like Gruden really hasn't got, hasn't gone after one, has he? So it, it might be, might be that time. That's very, very interesting. Very interesting. Speaking of interesting, Julio Jones came out. The Falcons are going to start taking calls about the the star wideout. And sounds like it has to do with the salary cap situation. And there was a feeling this might happen. And then it seemed like they felt they were going to keep the band together. And now it's back to, it looks like Julio could be on the move. So where do you think he ends up, Mr. Aaron? One of the things I do want to talk about Julio real quick, because you know I can't give an input without mentioning a contract thing, but right, they right. can't they can't get any 2021 picks for him. Mm. And the reason for that is if they trade him or they're not gonna cut him, but let's say if they move on from him this offseason, it would cost Atlanta 17 and a half million on their salary cap. Like he's got a ridiculous uh, salary cap hit this year and, mm-hmm. and, and Matt Ryan's the same way but the thing that they were talking about in the story and it's true is that you can do what's called a post June 1st trade um, we've heard of post June 1st cuts and just to briefly describe what it is is when you do that you're splitting the cost between two seasons so for this season 2021 they the only guaranteed or sorry, his signing bonus and he has an option bonus. Those are two guaranteed portions of this contract that come out to be 7.75 million. That's the only dead cap. They would save 15.3 million. But the limitation is they can't get 2021 picks. They would have to be acquiring 2022 picks and beyond. So it's kind of a rough one. Like if Atlanta does this, that is rough. They really are waving the flag and they're going we're we're a rebuild if they're doing that they may as they might as well draft, draft a Lance and pick four yeah. exactly so the the draft will tell us what they're going to do with julio jones if okay. they start making picks and you go how does this help the team this upcoming season then you need to start monitoring julio jones now your question was where do i think they're going to go man one of the one of the things i, I put i put it on twitter today actually like Julio Jones' two best seasons came 2015-2016, and the offensive coordinator was Kyle Shanahan. You get him in San Francisco, oh my goodness, whatever quarterback they take, they can take Mac Jones, and they're still going to be fine. He's going to have Julio, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, of course, George Kittle at tight end, whoever they pull in at running back, because we know that in a Shanahan offense, it doesn't matter. Raheem Mostert or Wayne Gallman, who they just brought in, that would be an explosive offense and and some people go well Atlanta won't do this trade with the NFC rival and if they were competing yeah but we just saw Baltimore and Kansas City two teams competing in the same conference do a trade if the price is right sure and San Francisco's already gone all in they've they've traded the future first round picks they're 
they don't care about like having draft picks. They're they're gonna start doing what the Rams did, you know, trade all trade away the draft picks. Who cares? So hey, if you're San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, pick up the phone, see what it takes to get Julio. You know, it may take the second round picks through 2022 and 2023 because that contract's bad. Like I don't think they're gonna get a first round pick for Julio, who's dealing with injuries, he's up there in age, and a really bad contract. I like it. Uh, it yeah. See, hey, go ahead, Cody. No, I was just agreeing. I was just going to say now with that contract, they're, they're not going to get anything. I think that they think they will. Um, and, and as you said, San Francisco, San Francisco seems like the only situation that really makes sense. Like you just think across the league, like, you know, who could he go to? Who, who could he fit into? It's like, the Jets are, are maybe the one in the situation they have money, but like the Jets aren't going to make that move. Like the Patriots, maybe, I, I mean, maybe the Patriots, but like, I just couldn't see, I just, I think this is more so just like a, you know, get some attention to the team, like uh, mm-hmm. see what, see what is out there. But like exactly what Aaron said, the numbers are just, there's just too much there to, to move. I don't think you'll see it happen. See, I thought it possible despite the contract. Now, I missed the detail about no first rounders. So that kind of screws up what I would have said. But I was going to say Baltimore because they could offer, they, they just got that pick from the Orlando Brown trade. They got two late first rounders. They could offer a late first rounder. Obviously, that idea is out the window. The only other idea I had was the Patriots. But it, it, like you said, with that, with the contract, without first round pick, and with the contract, maybe nobody w- would want to pay a first anyway, which is why I zeroed in on Baltimore with two, but again, down the drain. So it, now I'm with, I think I'm with Cody. I think it's, it's going to be tough to see him actually get moved, but Maybe we find out uh, differently in the draft. So Julio Jones, I would love to see him in that fucking San Francisco uniform. That would be pretty cool. I think he'd look legit in that. All right. All right, fellas. We're going to take a break, come back, and get this game going that I I created, this crazy little uh, draft topics game. So take a quick break, and we'll be right back to get this going. Okay, back, back and ready to go. Had to empty the bladder again. I feel much better. Cody's still with us. This is awesome. And we get to get some of his wonderful insight on, I mean, Podfather was just bragging the other day on the pod about the work you've done, Cody, and the big board and all of that. So, I mean, we're excited to have you on, man. You you know your stuff. So, we're going to get into it with a little bit of a game, draft topics game, and Basically, the way this is going to work, got some topics on some cards. We're all going to take turns picking a color and a number, and then we'll read the topic from said card. And I got to tell you, a lot more goes into this than you might think. Uh, Maybe not. I mean, it could be a lot simpler. I'm often stoned when I do things like this. So, but I, I started off and I start going through the cards and I'm getting the t- the colors on there, you know, because I got the colors on the back of the cards and I'm using regular markers and I go flip it over to write the topic. It's bled through. Stupid fucking dollar tree 
cards. I just like, damn it. So then I have to do it all over and I try some highlighters and I'm like, yeah, this is perfect. But then I hadn't thought it all the way through because I was going to color coordinate with the fucking dry erase board. Well, I don't have an orange dry erase marker. So now <laughs> I've got the green, I've got the blue, but then I've got orange cards. And so there's yellow and so whatever. Anyway, that's my rant. Dollar store index cards. Fuck you. Okay. Okay. So we get into the game. Good sir, Mr. Cody Carpentier. Will you please go first for us? Blue number three. Blue three. Yes, we go. Blue three. Current players and Jeopardy. And not the Aaron Rodgers game show kind. In Jeopardy of losing their jobs. Start us out, my man, Cody. Hmm, this is a good one. This is a good one. Let me think. <laughs> Let me think here. I'm gonna go to your hometown where you're stationed right now. I'm gonna go to Denver. Hmm. I'm gonna go running back Melvin Gordon turns 29 in the next week or two. He'll be a free agent after the season. Mike Boone, former Viking, sitting behind him right now in that in that Philip Lindsay role. Don't be surprised if Denver uses a second or third round pick on a running back. They used a second round pick in 2013, a third in 2012 and 2018. Don't be surprised if they go after a Chuba Hubbard, maybe round two, round three. Mm. You know, it'd be good for about two years, 600 carries. Then you might, you know, be toast. But hey, I think that is one running back that's on the, on the hot seat that's that might not be looked at quite like he is because he was ninth last year in rushing yards and carries. Um, had a strong season, but he's 29. That's right on that ledge bridge next year. That's where I'm going. I love it. I love it. Because <laughs> he really is. Him, him and his quarterback, I think, is in a little bit of jeopardy. Aaron, you go ahead and go. All right. Well, I'm going to go down to Florida in Jacksonville <sighs> because there's a receiver there, a receiver there named DJ Chark. Mm. Entering the last year of his rookie contract, you have a brand new coaching staff coming in. They added a receiver this offseason, Marvin Jones, who plays a pretty similar style uh, as DJ Chark. They're the speed stretch guys. Chenault, he's versatile. He he could be used in the slot. He really could be used anywhere. And they have an intriguing guy, Colin Johnson, a big, tall 6'5 guy. But also, you look at the draft, we know that there's a lot of, there's a lot of good receivers in this class, um, more so in, the, in day two, in, in the second and third rounds. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, they've got five picks in the first 65 picks. Talk about the receiving class being deep. They don't have to use a first-round pick on a receiver. They use one of their two second-round picks or the top pick in the third round, and they grab a receiver. Chark stays may be numbered. He may even get traded, too. I like it. I like it. See, I did, when you said Jacksonville, I thought you were going to go James Robinson because there seems to be some of that going around. <laughs> and I'm worried about that because I, I, to myself, I'm saying you could spend your picks on anything. I mean, is James Robinson likely to be as productive as he was last year? There's a good chance he isn't. But when you've got that cheap of a running back and he is talented, it, yeah, I don't, it, it just... Ugh. 
but I also have a little bit of, of, of a soft spot in my heart for undrafted running backs. But I, I, I very much am, am with Cody on Melvin Gordon because him and Drew Locke are my two big ones. I really feel like I, there's something about Denver. They've, they've upgraded the defense. That should play better. They made some signings. They've re-signed some guys. Von Miller back. The defense should be better. This offense is loaded. You add another running back. You bring in another quarterback. I mean, this team could be rearing to go, a force to be reckoned with. So I just feel like this is the draft. Denver, attack, attack, and get your team solidified. And, and, and again, it's part hope on my side as a fan and as a fantasy football fan, but I really feel like that's the way to go. So I, when I really look at it, I could come up with other names, but really that's what I put down is the Denver guys. Cause I really feel like big draft for Denver. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just being hopeful, but that's what I got for that. All right, Mr. Your time. Right, let's do green number two. Top wide receivers after Mr. Ajama Chase. Kick us off. One of my favorite ones is Terrace Marshall. There, there is some question marks. It, it's, it seems that more people that watch film don't, don't like his routes there, but just look at his profile. One of the things that stands out, 23 touchdowns his last 19 games. Holy crap, he's productive. Great athletic testing, plus size. That's, that's the key thing. He has size, something this receiving class is lacking. 6'2", 205 pounds, 59th percentile hands. Hands matters for receivers. And just look at the advanced stats, a 46.5%, 92nd percentile college dominator, along with a 19.2, percentile breakout age. And with the breakout age, that came during the 2019 season with LSU, where he had future first-round picks, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards Hilaire and, and and even his his teammate in this draft class, Jamar Chase, who's going to be a first round pick too. It's, so teammate score is going to be great for Terrace Marshall as well. It's maybe a little buoyed by uh by the touchdowns, but my goodness, you can't fault a guy for scoring touchdowns at the pace he did. Former five-star recruit as well. The guy just seems to have it all from an analytic standpoint. Size, productivity at an early age a high dominator rating, and he plays with a ton of NFL talent. Give me Terrace Marshall as potential number two receiver in this class. And you, Mr. Cody. I like that Terrace pick. I like that Terrace pick yeah. a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do. I really do. But, you know, I hope he gets first round draft capital. There's, you know, some, some medical checks came back kind of question about him around him, but I, I mean, I haven't really dug into that, but I, I really like, and I think he, I mean, he's the one guy in this group. If you, if you go down the top 10 until you get to Nico Collins and Seth Williams, like that he fits in that prototypical X role in, in, in almost any offense. I just feel like bringing in Baltimore would be beautiful. But for me, I feel like the easy one would be, you know, Rondell, Sean Bateman, personal favorite Deami Brown I can't go there right here I, I gotta go oh, so tough for me I, I really want to go Deami Brown but I gotta go Elijah Moore Elijah Moore's been getting a lot of buzz according to Todd McShay he is wide receiver four or better 
on almost every NFL team's board for the NFL draft. You know, 5'9", 178, 21 years old, 4'35", at his pro day. You know, we have that at a 4'40", 93rd percentile, 98th percentile agility score, 1,193 yards this last year, eight touchdowns, 256 special teams yards as a true freshman, 400 receiving yards as a true freshman playing with A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, like, Elijah Moore can do just about anything all over the field. He's training right now with Odell Beckham. Uh, best comparable to Tyler Lockett on player profiler. I have him more of a Deontay Johnson type of guy. But I think when it's all said and done, the NFL draft will prop Elijah Moore up even more. And he's going to be the slot monster of this class. I love that. I really do. Um, I also love Aaron's pick. Because it was mine. <laughs> I'd say, the, 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 I get to go first next, so this is going to be a little bit better. It's a little hard going third two times in a row because some of the stuff's taken. Okay, I, th- I should have thought more outside the box. So I will just go on to the next category. We've had a three. We've had a two. I'm going to go yellow one. You just kind of keep it somewhat of a pattern. Okay, so what do we got? What do we got? Which is really orange one. Stupid fucking. Who is the RB3? Okay. Now, this is a tough conversation. I was in love with Javante Williams. Till the workout metrics. And now part of me just wants to still believe. But I see the cops. No shot, Moreno. David Montgomery and I'm just not excited and you go down the list and you just gotta wonder huh draft capital is really gonna help somebody but no matter what happens when I look at this list I keep coming back to Kenny Gainwell not the most over impressive workout metrics a lot of it I mean he's got the 40-yard dash, but a lot of the other stuff, average or slightly above. But you look at yards per carry, 6.3, 79th percentile. College fucking target share, 13.8%, 91st percentile. Very much a dual threat, and that's the way you want to go. Now, a little short, 5'8", 201. I still really like this guy as the number three. Me, I'm always going to go with guys that can catch the ball. And so I'm leaning Gainwell as the number three. But I feel like it's really open for debate and that that damned draft capital is going to play a part when all is said and done, as, as, as it does usually. But that's kind of my thoughts with the whole running back three argument. There's a lot of guys I like, I mean, per that area, but it's, it's overall this disappointing class and you got to find what's the least disappointing after, after ATN Harris and because I'm severely disappointed in Devonta. So it's, it's looking at the next handful of guys and I, I got to go game well. Cody, what do you think? Yeah, this is a tough one for me because, uh, you know, 
as you guys may know, I've uh, been on the Jamar train since, you know, early January, late December, and I'm still there because <laughs> he didn't really like nuke as bad as it kind of looks like he did. Like he came in light, ran right in that area that we expected him. Uh, even like he ran, we projected him at a 4.58 in the breakout finder. And he ran, you know, 4.63 extrapolated, which isn't terrible. It's not great by any means, but coming in at 206 is really where it hurt him. So I, I actually moved him down from my RB3 position. Right now, if you were to look at my rankings, I have Javonta there just because, you know, I think there's a chance that he is a second, maybe the first running back off the board. Um, there's been rumblings of him being the, the top running back on some teams' uh, boards for the NFL draft. Mm. You know, and if he ends up in a place like Atlanta – I can't, I can't argue with that. Right. I, right. I think Michael Carter is the better running back in North Carolina, truthfully. And that's a lot, that's a hot take from a lot of people. You know, Michael Carter led that team in rushing and receiving every year he's been there over Javante Williams. And, you know, I'll produce Javante Williams in almost every phase of the game. At this point, you know, I, I'm not going to vouch for Javante Williams. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Michael Carter for this, for this answer. Oh, nice. Michael Carter is projected as a third round <laughs> pick. Michael Carter, 98th percentile agility score. I have him best comparable to a Clyde Hilaire. So when you look at him, reminded me watching him on tape of a more athletic Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And I've been saying this, you know, since I did an undercovered ops, pro, uh, undercovered prospect show on him back in, in February. And he just reminded me of a better version of Clyde. And so like, a year ago, there was rumblings of, of Clyde being the RB1, and this class is supposed to be worse than last year's class. You know, the way I look at things, I think Carter should be propped up higher than he is. You know, not everyone has him inside the top 10 and top six, but I think he's the one underrated guy. 4.59 isn't beautiful, 50th percentile 40-yard dash, but 98th percentile agility, best comparable to Devonta Freeman. Like I said, Clyde Hilaire for myself, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. 20 plus receptions three years in a row and hundred plus yards receiving four years in a row. Like there's not a lot to hate on the Michael Carter plat, uh, uh, you know, profile other than he's five, eight, two one, which is exactly what Kenny Gainwell is actually. Right. So, that doesn't bother it, me. It, it really falls off after the first two to be, to be quite blunt. And, and Javante Williams is the guy that is right on that edge for me. I just can't, I guess unlike you, I just can't get on board with him for some reason. You know, you said you liked him, which I completely understand from from his running style, but I just can't. I just, you know, it's this is a tough class, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it really tough class. It really to is because I, 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 I liked Javonta a lot, but the workout metric, it, like it just scared the hell out of me. <laughs> and, but then you, again, you look at uh, there's nothing super impressive about a lot of in this class that's why after the first two it is kind of like well i guess you just kind of go on opinion for now and then we'll see what how the draft plays out uh aaron what are your thoughts well i guess i'm going to be the guy that goes chalk here with javante williams but (laughs) with the other two guys before i get into javante like i've currently got michael carter as my running back four like i there's traits i really like about michael carter and and i do believe that he'll be just fine, especially in today's NFL. And what's so funny is looking at his profile, I was like, man, his profile, 
kind of reminds me of Chase Edmonds. And I was a huge fan of Chase Edmonds when it, when, uh, when it was his rookie season. Like I was drafted on people had never heard of him. And then I go to the best comparable comps for Michael Carter and his third best comparable player is Chase Edmonds. I was like, oh man, I have been on this site for way too long, for way too many years that I'm starting to be able to get some of these comps. <laughs> but, uh, and, and what I'll say too with Kenny Gainwell, and I've got some Memphis ties. I spent a couple of years of my life living in Memphis. So like Memphis is a team I find myself rooting for. And I got to say, he has some ridiculous like box score stats there. He came in a little smaller than than I would have liked, but right. there is you get them in the right team there that's going to utilize the running back in the passing game. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be a case for him. I just oh, what if he goes to Baltimore? <laughs> but um, but for Javante Williams, I know we kind of ragged on his workout metrics, but kind of looking at his profile here, the the two stats uh, in his workout metrics that stand out to me is the burst score being one twenty two point seven seventy first percentile. That's that's well above average. Like that's, that is acceptable in the NFL. Like he should be able to hit the hole hard and a surprisingly a good agility score, 11.02 89th percentile. Well, I say surprisingly, I, I know we've all seen clips of some of the runs he had in college and my goodness, he makes some defenders look just foolish out there. He came in lighter than what we were hoping. I mean, I think I heard, like before he weighed, it was going to be like 225, 230. It was like, oh, sweet. We've got our third RB. There are some question marks. But what I do like about him is he played in Power 5 school. He left early, he left after his junior season. And my goodness, that junior season was ridiculous. 22 total touchdowns, and he got the same target share as as Michael Carter. It's We're hoping that that continued improvement, the early – declare where he left after his junior season it should be good for Javante Williams should have the the draft capital I mean he should be the third running back off the board but I don't think it's all uh, all hope is lost I know David Montgomery is mentioned as a comp for him and I wasn't a fan when he got drafted uh, mainly because the hype of David Montgomery that rookie season was that he was going to be this this great running back prospect. We've all seen the picture of the, he's got the, the feet of future hall of fame running back, the hands of another one. And that wasn't really fair to David Montgomery. And and that's probably why we hate him so much at player profiler or did hate him until his ADP adjusted. And then Montgomery showed last year too. Hey, he's able to put up RB one numbers and probably for his career, more RB two numbers, but for the third running back in a weak running back class, and Javante Williams is putting up a David Montgomery career, I'll take it. I'm not excited. Definitely trying to get the top two guys, Etienne and Najee Harris, but I will be okay if I have to settle for Javante Williams in the first round of rookie drafts. It's not going to be an easy one to hit the button on. That's, that's, <laughs> that's going to be for sure. I'll I, I will say, I'm in, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. Like, <laughs> it's not going to feel good clicking it. It's going to be one of those like, oh, and then you're going to get to week one. And you're like, oh, okay, starting running back for the Jets. I can plug him in. Okay. Absolutely. I guess it's okay. I guess it's okay. Like, <laughs> it's going to be a tough one. Though. It's just... And that 40 yard dash, I'm not worried about. I mean, he's not going to be, he's not going to have great breakaway speed, but it, 
I don't know if Najee Harris had a 40-yard dash. I don't think he tested, right? But, like, it was – there was some of the concerns with Najee. Is they're like, oh, he's not going to be a home run hitter. Well, if Javante can manage to put on just a little bit more weight – like, his BMI is not abysmal. It's just, man, 220 would have been great, not 212. Like, he still seems to have a frame that can handle a good workload, which if he's getting more carries, more chance for fantasy points – so to to kind of just jump in for a split second and give you guys kind of a outlook for the future, uh, we are adding some high school metrics. <laughs> Two-player profiler. And what you will see is Nashi Harris did run the 40 out of high school at the opening, 466 at 226 pounds. So – you know, you can take that for what it is. I don't think he's a four six six guy right now. I think he's a lot closer to the four five and, and mm-hmm. down in that area. Um, so there's not really much there to worry about because he's been in Alabama for four years. But just kind of a, a thing that you can look out for, like these guys like Keishon Butte, they will have some metrics before we get the combine numbers. So, you, so we have a better inkling on kind of what these guys look like. But, you know, for a guy like awesome. Najee Harris, I mean, so anyway. I love That's that. good information. This is why yes. we brought Cody on. He's, <laughs> he's got he's got the information here and in the secrets. <laughs> okay, back to Cody. Here's the board. Let's go blue one since I cannot pick green or yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Some people just remember it's supposed to be orange. It's supposed to be orange. I I see it now. I can see it now. Okay. Blue one, you say? Yes, sir. All right. Blue one. Okay. One of the surprise topics. Who in the draft? Oh, yeah. This is actually a a good transition for me. Who are you sour on in this draft? Maybe someone consensus is not. Who am I sour on? Uh, so someone I'm lower on than consensus, you would say. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Ooh, this is this is a tough one. This. Oh. I mean, shall I, I pass I it to straight. Aaron? Aaron looks right. <laughs> yeah, pass to Aaron because mine might be a little hot. I gotta, I gotta let this one simmer a little bit. Okay. We're gonna see how how I set the bar here. So I don't have stats pulled in front of me here because we got the surprise topics here. But there's a guy that I don't have on my draft board and rookie drafts. I'm refused to take this guy, and that's Tutu Atwell. Like I I can't I can't get over the five nine and, and player profilers got him at 155, but they had the medical uh, testing and he was 148. He somehow he somehow weighed less than yeah yeah one forty eight. Like, when's the last time we've had an NFL player weigh under a hundred and fifty pounds? Like, yeah, uh, uh, never, never, <laughs> never. So, and it's hard because I sit there and I'm like, college target share ninety six percentile, a remarkable thirty five percent, a breakout age eighteen point nine ninety second percentile, college dominator seventy fifth percentile. He's got speed. Thank goodness he's got speed. He has no burst. Like. My goodness, he's gonna get jammed at the line, isn't he? Like, I, how is he gonna make it in the NFL? I'm, I'm sure he's gonna get draft capital, but even with draft capital, I'm not willing to to throw a dart at him. Like, I, 
I can't get over how small he is. And like, what, what upside does he have in fantasy football? Like, I'm just worried that he just becomes what, maybe a return, a return person. And I don't even see much special teams yards for him. Like, I don't know if there's, if he has an ability to return kicks, but my goodness, a diminutive guy with no return experience, we'll say. Um, maybe he's got the capabilities, but if he can't return kicks, if he's getting jammed at the line, my goodness, I'm not on board with Tutu Atwell. Can't do it. Can't draft him. Okay. Cody, you I, want to I keep simmering? Or you no, want me to go? No, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. I'm okay. Here. I tend to agree with this Tutu Atwell. And I'm <laughs> going to I'm gonna add just a hair more into it and, and say I agree with you and not having him ranked. I literally have him wide receiver 34, which uh, I think at one point, Daniel Jeremiah had him going inside the top 34 picks in the draft. So, but to, with your, with your weight thing, there is 1,064 players in the player profiler database at the wide receiver position. And Tutu Atwell is the lightest player in the database at 155 pounds. And now you mentioned the, um, the medical chicks came back at 148. Nobody is under 150, like you just said. Like this, this Tutu Atwell thing, if it happens, will be. I don't even really know where to put it or how to how to even say like. There's no explanation really for that, um, but my answer would be, you know, uh, easy one. I could go to Kenny Gainwell for being a guy I'm lower on, but. I think I got to go Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown, I have not been excited for at all. I have him as my wide receiver 21. I actually have him one spot behind Tyler Vaughn's, his teammate, uh, who, you know, has been there for like five years, but runs much crisper routes. And I think that's how Vaughn's is going to stay on an NFL team. St. Brown, I think I might be just getting burnt from Aquinas, his brother, Equinamia St. Brown. That's forcing me this way, but a 466, 14th percentile 40 yard dash. He does have 86 percentile burst, but burst really doesn't matter. Four wide receivers. His agility's all right. Best comparable to Brandon Lloyd. I think that is a, a high end, best comparable. 5'11, 197, 1,000 yards as a sophomore. It's just, I'm not that excited about a Monroe St. Brown. And I know there is some people, I know Ray GQ, I know. Ryan uh, Lopes have him at around 10 and higher. So um, I just, I'm, I'm not sold on Amon Ross St. Brown at all right now. I think he's projected as a mid third round pick. That's just not, not, that's too rich for my blood. I feel you. I, and I agree with you on both of those receivers. However, I'm going to go running back. And I'm actually, this might be a little spicy. It's not meant to be spicy, but this is this is really how I'm going to roll into rookie drafts. Look, normally I am all about the rookie running backs, okay? Because that is my theory in Dynasty. You recycle those bitches and because you know the age apex. Aaron and I have talked about this before. I'm a firm believer, firm believer in better a year early than a year late, specifically with running backs. And I love drafting rookie running backs this year it's tough this year it's tough with this class we were spoiled last year with the running backs and 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 i'm just like atn's at the top i believe that but it, it compared to the rookies from last year where would he go i mean it's just, to me the class overall 
lots of question marks. Nobody, it's, I just, it's very disappointing. And if ATN's there, I'm good with him. But I'm sour on Najee Harris. And yeah, we don't have workout metrics, I mean, or anything like that. But I, I'm more, I just, people are going to draft this dude high. And I just don't want to spend a high pick on a 23-year-old running back. I'd like a little more time out of my running back than that. Now, there is the occasion that he might fall a little bit. And it really will depend on where he goes, too. Because if if Pittsburgh drafts him, I mean, that that's a, a pretty sweet landing spot, right? And they're rumored to be looking. So I, I could see the attraction. And I just feel like that's just too high for me. I, I just, you see, after a few seasons, what happens to these guys? And it, it's 23. It just bothers me. So I'm kind of out on Najee Harris, at, at least at his current you know, ADP. So that's where I'm going to go. Although I do love the wide receiver calls and I'm not going to say never on Najee Harris, but, but currently at his ADP. Yeah. I, I'm not that interested. So that's where I'm going. Thoughts on that, by the way. <laughs> I can't argue with it. That's, I mean, I, I like Najee Harris from what I saw at Alabama, but 23 years old, that's what pushed me away directly. Um, when we sat down and looked at rankings back in January, that's why I vouched for Travis Etienne. Um, um, Ray Garvin has, has famously been one that's out ahead on Najee Harris trying to say that the age doesn't matter, 23 years old doesn't matter, but the facts are the facts. Like Trey Raggis, for example, from this class, is going to be 25 years old day one when he steps on the field. Nobody wants that. When you're 23, no. even like you're only going to get a handful of seasons, you know, even if you are a supreme talent. You, I would much rather chase, even in the situation where Javante Williams goes to Atlanta, Najee Harris goes to Steelers. They're two years age difference. I think, and this is from someone that doesn't like Javante Williams that much, I would rather <laughs> have Javante Williams right. for that purpose. Like they're both good landing spots, but you're getting two more years of prime running back. There's just, you can't complain about that. Like, I mean, right. it's pretty, pretty straightforward for me. Like I agree with you. Oh, and, well, thank you sir. and on a previous pod too, uh, Ryan and I have talked about how the truth about this running back class is that it's the rejects from the 2019 running back class. ETM returned for his senior season. Najee Harris returned for his senior season. So, and that's that's been one of the reasons I like Javante Williams. He just the only reason he didn't come out last year is he couldn't. He didn't have three years. Um, he didn't have three years in college. So that's yeah. I can get behind like fading Najee. It's yeah. You have to wonder if I take him say 101. Like what? Where would he have gone last year? Would he have even been a first round pick? Probably not. Right. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. And it's Aaron's turn again. All right. Let's take yellow number two. Yellow two, yellow two, orange, orange, two. orange, <laughs> orange, two. I'm colorblind. You know, don't you like my yellow it's, shirt? It's really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Aaron, start us off on sleepers. Who do you got? <gasps> 
as a sleeper or two or three or whatever. Let's get into it. This is one of my favorites too. Let's go. Okay. Can I give two? Is that all right? Yes, sir. This was my favorite section to fill out here. So I'm going to start <laughs> off receiver. And I have fallen in love with this, this sleeper receiver. I hope I pronounce it right. Simi Fihoko from Stanford. So stat line last year is only six games, but he had 37 catches, 574 yards, three touchdowns, lead the team. Next top two receivers, they combined for 40 catches. He had 37 by himself. The next two guys in Stanford combined for 40. This receiving class, we've said it multiple times here, it's talented, but they're all small. I'm looking at you, 2-2 Atwell. This guy, 6'4", 222 pounds, 10 and a quarter hands, uh, 113.7, 95th percentile speed score, 11.04, 72nd percentile agility score. Size, speed, talent, boom, he's got all three. There is a glaring, uh, glaring thing on his profile there. And that's his 21.8, 20th percentile breakout age. Yikes. But then I started to remember of a receiver last year that had everything except he had a late breakout age. And it was Brandon Ayuk. And, and I started digging into his profile to find out that he had to go junior college because he didn't have grades. He was talented. He had a recruit. He had a scholarship from Alabama. Not Simi, but IU did. And I was like, oh, okay, that explains the late breakout age. He just didn't have the grades to get into college in, in his age 19 season. Well, Fihoko is, he's a member of the Latter-day Saint Church. And anyone that's familiar with members there is that if you are a Mormon, you have to go and serve two years in a mission. That's what he did after high school. So graduated high school, went to South Korea, and spent two years on a Latter-day Saint mission. So then he, his freshman season, he was already 20 years old, but not something we can fault him on. It's just that that's his religion. He's played with NFL talent in his time there. Uh, guys that haven't done much in the NFL, but Kobe Parkinson was drafted fourth round. It looks like he used a redshirt season, maybe involved in C uh, Seattle this season. They... <laughs> A Jaws, J Jaws, JJ Arcega Whiteside was a second round pick, a poor decision there, but there was draft capital. Caden Smith, the tight end, sixth round, and Bryce Love, he could never come back from his injuries, but he was a fourth round pick in the running back that Stanford put up 2,000 yards. Now, a lot of people go, that size, 6'4, 225 pounds. That sounds a lot like JJ Arcega Whiteside, and we've all been burned. I've been burned by JJR Sega Whiteside. It took a little bit to get over the, the Stanford receiver thing. But here's the deal with Simi Fahoko. He had a higher target share in his junior season, 26.6%, than JJR Sega Whiteside did, 20.7%. Also, he came out his junior season and not his senior season like our Sega Whiteside. You look at the workout metrics. Simi Fahoko has everything on J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I get why some people would avoid the big, tall receiver from Stanford, but this, this guy is checking all the boxes for me. Like, I, I may be bumping him up my board, and I've, I've actually got Cody Carpentier's ultimate, the ultimate prospect playbook from his Patreon. I'm not going to spoil it, but I, I, I can tell that, that his rankings and my rankings – of the rookie receivers that he likes Simi too. So I feel like I'm in good company with Simi. Can I give one more quick one here? Of course. That was my long one. 
Okay. okay. <laughs> there's, there's a tight end that I really like that I've mentioned previously on this podcast, and that's Hunter Long. Junior season, 23.3% target share. 23% for a tight end? That's absurd. It's hard to find guys that reach double digits. His athleticism, it's, it doesn't jump off the charts. He's not an Albert O, but the athleticism, it's just good enough to make it in the NFL. Also, he has size, 6'5", 254 pounds. His arm length is 33 and three quarters inch. That's 78th percentile. He's got the breakout age. Breakout age at 20, that's 80th percentile. And a 21.8%, 69th percentile. Nice. College dominator. And I I take it with a, a pinch of salt here, but Lance Zerlines, he, I like reading what he has about rookies, and for his weaknesses, all I could really see for Hunter Long was stuff that could be coached, blocking technique, whatever they, whatever they consider toughness and play strength. I don't know what that is, but that seems like stuff that you get him on a team with a good tight end coach, you can teach him how to block. But man, that target share, the size, he's got everything that we look for in the analytics. So Hunter Long, I'm, I will definitely be having him on my team. Swing it around to Cody. You know I love Hunter Long. And mm-hmm. Like you said, um, on Patreon, on those Ultimate Prospect Playbook where I have my rankings, I got Hunter Long at tight end number two. Uh, I think Hunter Long's the most pro-ready tight end. I've been saying this for the last couple of months. It's, I mean, it's no secret. Um, so I, I, I'm in full lockstep with you. Uh, Simi Fihoko the same way. I got him best compared with Michael Pittman we are in lockstep on both of these guys. I'm going to go with a couple guys a little bit further down the line. Uh, Mike Strachan, everybody knows my love for Mike Strachan, but the guys I want to focus on today are Deion Jackson from Duke, running back, did not did not like get the most opportunity. He also went to Duke. Duke is terrible. 5'11", 218, one of the few guys that came in heavier and actually ran good at his pro day, 22.2 years old. So he's not 23, not 21, right in the middle. 4.4240 or dash at his pro day, 4.47, 87th percentile, 90th percentile speed score. Best comparable to Andre Brown because he went to Duke and didn't have the most, you know, the best college stats. He never had 200 carries, never had 1,000 yards, never had 10 touchdowns. But 26 receptions as a sophomore, 21 as a junior. Deion Jackson will land on a team at some point in the draft just based on athleticism and being 5'11", 218. Like, he is the closest thing to, you know, you know, a few guys can come in at 220-plus and run at a 4'4". Deion Jackson is the closest thing to it in this class that we have. I have him at RB13, which is well ahead of consensus because consensus doesn't even have him ranked in most cases at receiver my second guy i will go jacob harris who some consider a tight end some consider a receiver i consider him a receiver jacob harris has a very 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 interesting backstory he actually never played football until his senior year of high school and he played defense then his first year of college he went to florida gulf coast and played soccer because that's what he played his whole life this dude's 6'5 220 by the way went and played soccer at Florida Gulf Coast, transferred to Western Kentucky, tried out for football team, didn't make the team, went back home to Tampa, 
went to Central Florida, then played football, made the team 448 yards in 2019, 539 in 10 games in 2020, eight touchdowns, 13.5% target share. Let me refresh that. Second year ever playing wide receiver at a Division One school. Oh, and his workout metrics are pretty solid too. 95th percentile speed score, 96th percentile burst, 91st percentile agility, 99th percentile catch radius. Do I need to go on? 6'5", 220. This is your late round target that can literally take a top off any defense on the field. I love it. I love all that stuff. Even more so because nobody said any of my guys. So that makes it even better. Okay, so for me, I also have a receiver and a tight end. For receiver, I'm going with a one, Josh Imatorbebe. And yes, you his name looks, his last name looks crazy, but that is the pronunciation Imatorbebe. So this guy, he does not have the breakout age. Like Aaron discussed, previously and him and i have discussed this on other pods that's what if you see a red flag or two on somebody that otherwise has a pretty good profile you need to investigate right you need to investigate and breakout age is an easy one to investigate if you ask me and so josh he transfers from usc to illinois ankle injury bam there you go you have to look at the stats and so And then I, I'm not sure if that's – he only played seven games in 2020, but in 20 – or I'm sorry, in 2019, he – oh, where the hell did it go? Come on, bleep you. Anyway, apologies. Um, <laughs> but this guy, there's a lot to like. Doesn't have the greatest 40-yard dash, but 99.1 speed score, 66 percentile. His burst score – in the 100th percentile, 146.1. And then you've got his catch radius at 10.3696 percentile. So I'm kind of interested. I got interested in him previously. There's things I like. His college dominator, 93rd percentile. There's some stuff to like about this guy. And you see the breakout age and you're like, what's the deal here? He's, he, he's got some good stuff. And there is a story behind that similar with what Aaron had. So I've got some interest in Josh Imator baby. And like I said, also a tight end. Now there's no telling if the guy I picked will actually even get drafted, but if not, maybe he'll end up with a team because uh, I do like undrafted guys. In fact, it was one of my favorite things to write about after the draft is undrafted guys. And I'm speaking about a six, seven, 240 Chilean basketball player who's aiming to be a tight end in the NFL. And I can imagine some team looking at that because, you know, the whole tight end corollary with the basketball player, they're going to look at that. Somebody I believe will take a chance on this dude and I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And just remember if this, plays out you heard it here first <laughs> but i know it's a bit of a long shot but he didn't have too bad of a of a pro day or a workout as you would say so i 
size. There's there's a lot to like about this guy, but we'll see if he even goes in the draft. And uh, if not, again, I'll write about him in my in my undrafted work, which is always exciting. So that's the two guys I have brought to the table. Uh, I love it all. It's good stuff. It, it, it just we're so close. We're so close. The more we talk about it, I just wanted to be here. And we still got a few fucking days. I just said that. Okay, I'm done. All right. Oh, shit, it's my turn, I believe. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and and, and knock out, uh, I guess, green. We'll go green three. Green three. Kyle Pitts height and other tight ends not named Pitts. Okay. So first of all, I guess with the Kyle Pitts hype, is it just me or is is he overhyped? It's it's I I I get I get the profile. I get I get what he's done. Okay. I just have a hard time with this. People are like, even in Superflex, he should be the 101. And I'm like, what? Are we serious about this? And I I just at sometimes I feel like dude is a little bit overhyped and, and really part of it, it for me, it, it really, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I'm hoping it's not somewhere like a Dallas or a Carolina where he's going to take away from my guys, CD lamb and DJ Moore. So I hope it's not somewhere like that, but I mean, who knows where he goes, but I, I just, it seems a little overhyped. So me, I feel like I'm going to aim for a Brevin Jordan or the aforementioned Hunter Long, someone like that later down in the draft. Uh, but that's my opinion on the tight end situation. There is a few guys I like past Kyle Pitts, and I'm willing to take a chance on one of them uh, because I guess that's my biggest thing is I just, I, I, I'm, I'm with the pod father on the idea that you don't hate players. Really? You hate, ADP, right? And and I fully believe in that. And uh, I just have a feeling I'm going to hate, hate his ADP regardless. <laughs> so that's where I'm at with Kyle Pitts and the other tight ends. And uh, so I'll throw it over to Aaron. Yeah, well, with Kyle Pitts, uh, of course, he's overhyped because we're we're building him as like this, this Superman tight end. And and we've referenced Matt Kelly, the pod father. He's nailed it too. Like each, not each season, but those those seasons that we have these freakish tight ends, it's it's happened recently. Noah Fant, not that long ago. Like almost identical build. And that, that draft also had TJ Hawkinson. And if you drafted a tight end in the first round of your dynasty rookie draft, are you really happy? I mean, Hawkinson's been serviceable, sure, but what did it cost you? Like, did you pick him over, oh, I don't know, an A.J. Brown? Okay. If you didn't, like, later on in that draft, you could have gotten a Deontay Johnson. You know, wh- who mm-hmm. would you rather have, the uh, Deontay Johnson or a T.J. Hawkinson? So, yeah, the hype is out of control. And tight ends, they they always take they take a while to develop. Don't be the guy to draft a tight end. Be the guy to trade for a tight end two years from now. And yes, I've heard people say um, that you you won't be able to do that with Kyle Pitts. But we said that we've also said that with 
uh, with Hawkinson and Fant and mm. Ingram and Howard. We've seen this so many times. And and why take say you know the the draft that we had Ingram and Howard? There was George Kittle in that same draft. So this is a draft right. where there are yeah, there's there's good tight ends behind Pitts. Uh, we uh, as you mentioned Brevin Jordan and of course Hunter Long is getting quite the shout out in this podcast <laughs> and, and the Penn State tight end that I'm gonna butcher that last name so just Pat Pat from Penn State like he's he's good <laughs> Friar too, Muth but... <laughs> Friar you know like Friar Tuck and then Friar he, Muth he's a Friar I believe he's that's a Friar how he's a holy man there but Friar. yeah but I will say one one bold thing well it's probably not either bold but I I think you can you can mark it up that Atlanta is going to take Kyle Pitts. Like it's, it seems that mm. they are dead set on not taking a quarterback and they are just googly eyed about Kyle Pitts. <laughs> now other tight ends, I like to go a little bit deeper. Uh, one guy that caught my attention was Kenny Yaboa uh, from, is it Ole Miss or is it Mississippi State? Ole Miss, right? Ole Miss? Yes. Okay. I always get the two confused. I mean, it's Mississippi. Who cares about playing in Mississippi? Now, Kenny Yoboa did transfer. He he was at Temple, and and actually he's already got an NFL connection there with Matt Rule. And Matt Rule way back told him, told Kenny, when he was transitioned from wide receiver to tight end, like you can play tight end in the NFL. I know that's coach speak, but Matt Rule has already kind of shown that he's he's a guy that he, anywhere he goes, he's he's had success. And even last year at Carolina, I know they were a bad team, but that team a lot more competitive than we thought now that final season when he transferred to Ole Miss the stat that stands out to me 19.4 yards per reception holy crap he's going against SEC defenses and getting almost 20 yards a catch like we don't have any workout metrics and that's that is just that's a killer like we've got a burst for it that's it I don't know how fast he is but 6'4", 250 pounds, that that 19.4 yards per reception is 98th percentile. At the SEC, where you're having the most defensive, NFL defensive talent um, in college, like, holy, holy smokes, that's, that's impressive. I wish we knew his, his athleticism, and it's possible if we knew how athletic he was, he'd move up the board. I can't move him any higher than tight end five right now for me, but – that Kenny Oboe is a guy to keep keep uh, keep your eyes on, and hopefully we didn't take all the tight ends for for Cody there. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, Kenny Oboe is definitely a guy on my radar. I'm going to drop one guy below that in my rankings to tight end six. I have all four of these guys in tier three. I look at them all pretty close to the same. Tommy Tremble, Trey McKitty, Quentin Morris, and Kenny Oboe. They're all move tight ends. They're all smaller than than the bigger crew. Pat, Hunter Long, Pitts, Brevin. Brevin is close to that range, but I think he's just an overall better prospect. The guy that I want to focus on, though, is Quentin Morris. And when I see Quentin Morris's page, I think of Jenny Smith. And I can't even tell you how many times I've, I've brought up Jenny Smith's page, and then I brought Quentin Morris's, and I went back and forth and back and forth and just looked at the two because I don't know if it's because they look the same maybe just a little bit or the, the metrics aren't entirely there or if it's the the small school uh, a feel maybe that it is because uh, um, uh, Quentin Morris went to Bowling Green Johnny went to Florida International he's not obviously the athlete Johnny Smith is but 
uh, Quentin Morris, you know, he is my kind of like that free range target. I don't think he's going to get drafted in fantasy drafts. He's projected right now as a seventh round pick, late sixth or early seventh round pick. 516 receiving yards as a sophomore, 649 as a junior, and then only five games this year. He had 250. So you can assume he would have went over 500 again. So back to back to back, 500 yard seasons at Bowling Green is okay. You know, 20, 26.5% target share, 35.2% target share this year. That's like incredible. 19.6 uh, breakout age, 85th percentile for tight ends, and a 38% college dominator, 97th percentile for tight ends. He has 6'2", 243. That's the downfall. Ran a 4.71. He's athletic. That's all you really need to know. He's a late round dart, and that's exactly how I'm going to treat him. Mm. I love it because I love Quentin Morris. Talked about him a few weeks ago in a pod. But uh, it's crazy because you really can get productive tight end. Like, Aaron, you mentioned Kittle. Man, I can't tell you how much Mark Andrews I drafted because I believed he was a better tight end than Hayden Hurst. And everybody's drafting fucking Hayden Hurst. And I'm like, I'm going to keep drafting Mark Andrews. And boom. And so I, I just, yeah, it's that's where I'm at with tight ends. <laughs> and if I may, I want to add one one small thing here. because He's probably not going to become anything, but I want him to. And that's Zach Davidson from Central Missouri, mainly because he's a 6'7", 245-pound punter that's <laughs> going to be playing tight end in the NFL. And he had a stat line of 40 catches, 894 receiving yards, and 15 touchdowns. I, I just – I want this to become a thing. <laughs> I was hoping you'd bring him up because I couldn't for the life of me remember his name or find him in my notes. I was like, I hope he brings him up. That's awesome. Tight end's the most fun position. There's always you got it really basketball kinda, it, players, lacrosse. You... <laughs> just, just throwing darts, man. That's absolutely right. like, athlete, <laughs> dart, athlete, dart, non-athlete, <laughs> pass. But but we've also seen that of all the positions there that athleticism can translate the most at the tight end position. And we mm. just saw it with, Oh, Logan Thomas almost lost the name there. Like he didn't even play tight end until his like fourth, fifth season in the NFL. And then all of a sudden he has a very fantasy relevant season. So if you have athleticism, if you're big, you you can make it so and and i think you had mentioned too earlier that that samus reyes the chilean basketball player oh my Mm -hmm. goodness i cody i don't know if you've heard of okay yeah (laughs) of course of course cody he is chiseled (laughs) this dude is we we don't got a page for him yet um strictly because he's got like an eight pack and i don't know if that qualifies for a tight end so (laughs) This has, been, this has been in the conversations for the last few weeks just because, like, this guy is a freak of nature. But yeah. So he's going to be RB3. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's kind of where the trend is at. Like, we're, we're debating that right now, kind of where to put him, because it's like he's kind of a mixture between, like, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Derek Henry, and DK Metcalf. We don't really know what to do with him, so – I have got the last pick in a rookie draft. I think I know who I'll be taking. <laughs> right, dude. I love these kinds. Of, that's why, yeah. like, people laugh at four. For the the other day in a dynasty league, 
someone was like, take these fifth round picks off my hands. And I was like, I'll give you Deshaun Jackson for them. Cause I still had Deshaun Jackson at the end of my bench and they were like, boom. Okay. Done. And I was like, sweet. Now I get rid of Deshaun Jackson. Cause I didn't want to just cut him. Cause you know, somebody will pick him up. So I wanted to get something for him and uh, two fifth round picks, okay. two dart throws. Okay. Why not? And uh, so, Hey, there you go. I love him. And we move on. I can, I can only assume Mr. Cody will want the blue two. The blue two. Okay. Yes, sir. We will go blue two. Blue two. And that is actually perfect because this category <laughs> is why Cody, you can't even see, why Cody loves Jamar Jefferson. This one's all you. It's, you already talked about him a little bit. So really, I'm just going to cede the floor. Did me and Aaron cede the floor to you? This is the other surprise category. You can talk Jamar Jefferson, talk whatever you want, bro. We appreciate you being here. So let loose on whatever you want to let loose. This caught me. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I could go. Or don't. Or don't. If I got you t- too much on the spot. <laughs> no, I could go on Jamar Jefferson for uh, probably close to a day. I think, uh, you know, just based on what happened at his pro day, came in light, ran a little slow. I think it has created, for me anyway, I don't know how the outside fantasy community is going to take him. You know, they might, he might be a fourth round pick for some people because, you know, current projections for mock drafts, which you can take those for what they are in a COVID year. Not everybody knows everything, but he's projected as a sixth round pick, late fifth round pick, which is horrendous for a a running back, right? We're never going to be targeting, and even running backs in that same area, Elijah Mitchell, more of an athlete, right? You would think you'd lean that way. But when you look at Jamar Jefferson college profile, as a true freshman at Oregon State playing with Artavis Pierce, who is now in the NFL, he's not the best, but he's in the NFL playing running back slash fullback for the Chicago Bears. Jamar Jefferson came in from the jump, day one, 239 carries, 1,380 rushing yards, 12 total touchdowns on 25 receptions as a true freshman in college, 18 years old. As a sophomore, he split carries with Artavis Pierce. Did not mention year one that Artavis Pierce did, you know, get injured a little way through the year, but does not matter. Jamar Jefferson still dominated that freshman season. As a sophomore, he split carries with Artavis Pierce, nine games, 685 yards, 10 touchdowns, nine receptions again. And then in 2020, with a short COVID season, six games, he had 860 yards, 860 yards rushing, extrapolated to close to 1,700 yards if he were to play 12 games like he did as a freshman. Absolutely ridiculous. And I think that's where he's getting sold short is people are looking at the whole number, 858. But nobody's looking at the fact that he played six games, not 12. And, yeah. and I think that's huge. He's 21 years old. Yes, you look at the workout metrics, you know, nothing's above 40th percentile, which is ugly. I can agree. But 510, 206, meh, 37th percentile BMI, 465-40-. We've seen players excel with worse, with worse profiles. Best comparable to Jamal Williams on playerprofiler.com. For me, my comparable was Mark Ingram. Um, my playing style, watching him on tape was Marshawn Lynch. He's a, he, obviously, he's not the size of Marshawn Lynch or quite the athlete of Marshawn Lynch, but the aggression that he runs with, his tenacity and how he attacks on the field, it, it reminded me of Marshawn Lynch. 
in a Mark Ingram body. Mark Ingram even has some of those tendencies, and I think that's what fits Jamar Jefferson. Um, another thing that I liked about Jamar was in comparison to a guy like Javante Williams, both guys, you know, kind of failed the pro days, right? But Javante Williams is known for breaking tackles, PFF, breaking tackles. That's that's the, the main thing that you'll see on Twitter when you log in, you type in Javante's name, is he broke the he broke the PFF uh, tackles broken scale. He broke this, he did this, he did that, right? But my main argument against that is you ain't got to break tackles if they can't catch you. You ain't got to break tackles if you can evade the tackler. Like, that's how I look at Jamar Jefferson. And, and, and it might be a little biased. I don't know why, but the day one where I turned his tape on, when I watched his games last year, he popped for me. And that's why I pushed him up. So I had him all the way up to RB3, have him RB5 right now. But like we've said earlier in this podcast, this class is so underwhelming. I'm going to own probably a lot of Jamar Jefferson because I'm probably going to be drafting him at 301 when he's there because he will be there in every draft uh, unless I'm drafting with people that I know. And in that, in that scenario, they're all sniping me in mocks that I've been doing, which sucks. <laughs> but this is a guy that if he lands in a place like San Francisco in that scheme, I, I, I just can't say no to him. And, and you know, I'm going to concede the floor to that. That is my entire argument for Jamar Jefferson and, and my love for Jamar Jefferson. And uh, damn it, do I wish you ran a 443. <laughs> well, here's my thing, dude. He is was one of the guys I really liked. And then just the workout metrics make me go, Bleh. because I don't care about the six games for AJ. I think that's good. So it, and there's so much to like about him, and he's 21. I, I, it's like the workout metrics. But, but I am curious: is there any chance something was going on the day they those were? T- because I guess for me, most guys, when you look at their profile, a lot of times it's at least there's at least something, some very like this, like that's just straight across the bottom, basically. And it just it does make me wonder. Um, especially when you're talking about how, because this one thing I'm not really familiar with is watching tape. And if you're say you can see the, the evasiveness, like it just, it seems weird to me. So I, I still find him very intriguing. Uh, Aaron, do you have anything to add? No, I, I'll say one of the things I will, I will remember was one of the early mock drafts for Roto Underworld and, and Cody put his money where his mouth was and he took Jamar Jefferson. Like it was like one Oh six and it was above uh, Javante Williams. And, and you, these are things I appreciate about Cody because he put Jamar Jefferson on, on my radar there. It was, I remember him hyping him up, hyping him up, hyping him up. And it's like, I finally got around to like seeing him. And, and I was, I, I don't have a trained eye at watching film, but like right. when I, when I watched, it was kind of what I, what I saw too. It was like, I, there's occasionally some players that just go, that guy looks special. He looks like he's, he's able to do something. Like I, I remember seeing it with Josh Jacobs. I was like, I can't really put into words what I'm seeing with Josh Jacobs, but I'm like, he gets the ball and he makes good things happen. You know, when, uh, when it was him and Damian Harris in the backfield, I was like, Harris was, I was like, Harris is a plotter. Uh, but Jacobs, like this guy is making some, some plays happen. I kind of saw that too with Jamar Jefferson, but I don't have, the the vocabulary for uh for film grinders i but it he looked good there and yeah i'm (laughs) I'm with you ryan i I see the workout metrics and i go 
can it possibly be explained? Like, I'd like to look up other Oregon State guys and just see if it's just straight across the board, um, low testing scores. Because what was it last year? Like, nobody, none of the players had good agility scores because they changed something with Mm. the way they were timing the agility drills. And so, as we mentioned earlier, when there's something that just seems off, because college dominator, 81st percentile, yards per carry, 82nd percentile, a college target share that's a healthy 52nd percentile, it's like, is, can these workout metrics possibly be explained? Right. That's where my mind always goes. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Uh-oh. We lost like, Cody. Uh, Okay, minor technical difficulties. We're good. Moving on, moving on. Just two topics left. Just two. Let's go. Aaron, what you got? We're going to do green number one. Green number one. Green number one. The quarterback class. And now we we both talked quite a bit about this last week, but go ahead and then throw it to Cody. So I guess the, the, the one quarterback I want to hype up again is we all know the top five quarterbacks. I'm, I'm almost sick of talking about them. I, I like to go back to Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond's one of, one of my favorite, favorite guys because he at least has this, this opportunity to maybe be something there. He played in the SEC, and I know a lot of people go, that's enough SEC talk. It's, it's, it gets old because it seems that everyone's like SEC is the, the best, but like those are where the the top NFL like talent comes from. That's when you're facing the defensive linemen that have the size to play at the next level or the, the defensive backs that have speed. And, and what I noticed with Kellen Mond is if you look at his four-year career at Texas A&M, each season he gradually got better. He cut down on the interceptions, the touchdowns, the touchdowns went up. And the, the final season there, he had 19 touchdowns to three interceptions. That is fantastic ratio there. And that's just passing touchdowns. He, he also has the ability to make plays on, on the ground. Last season in 10 games, he had 294 rushing yards, four touchdowns, just barely missing 300 yards rushing. And that was his worst output of his four-year careers. And when when he tested the workout metrics, he ran a four six seven. That's eighty fifth percentile forty yard dash. So the guy's got speed, size. He's six three, two hundred eleven pounds. Uh, the ability to have success in the SEC as a passer. And, and there was there was some film. I'm trying to learn how to watch some film, and and I know I watched him play against Alabama before his senior season, and best way I could describe him is he was he was timid like he was just jumping around he was nervous in the pocket and then I watched a couple of games from this past season and he looked like a completely different quarterback he looked calm collected in the pocket probably helps when you're not playing Alabama but just he seemed the progression shows in the college stats is how they improved each season but also just putting on some games and going that guy just looks like a different quarterback because he's not scared anymore and he's still young he's not even 22 years old so he's a guy i could see going second third round like a day two pick if he goes to a team that has a stable coaching staff that doesn't have to force him into action day one 
hey, let him sit for a year. Let him sit for two years. He'll be fine if he can continue to develop. And I don't think we've seen the best of Kellen Mond. He's a very intriguing guy just with the tools to maybe do something from a fantasy football perspective. I love it. Cody. I agree 100% on Mond. That would have been my guy to talk about. I think you hit everything. I think you hit every part of him. I think he's going to be a second or third round pick. I've seen a lot of mocks um, with the Washington football team and the Bears picking back-to-back at 51-52. One going Mond and the other going Trask. Um, Very interesting to me. I think Mond would be a nice fit in New England behind Cam for a year or two. I'm going to go to Davis Mills, though. Davis Mills is another guy that in mock drafts has been getting a big, big bump for whatever reason. He's played in 14 games at Stanford the last two years, only 1,900 passing yards uh, in 2019, 1,500 this year. Like I said, eight games last year, five this year, 11 touchdowns, seven touchdowns. The stats aren't really going to jump off the board, but he had knee surgery a year ago. He is 6'4", 225, uh, 4.874 yard dash and 65th percentile agility. Best comparable to Landry Jones. I lent more toward Matt Castle. I think that's about where you're at. He's going to be a developmental guy. Um, But, I mean, this quarterback really, for me, after Mond – I talked to Aaron about this earlier Mond. I have him ahead of Wilson and, and a lot of guys, I shouldn't say a lot of guys, nobody's really going to have Mond ahead of Wilson. It's just not something that you're going to see in, in fantasy Twitter in draft Twitter at all. But I just think from an NFL standpoint, I would prefer Mond. I prefer that bigger arm. They both have nice arms, but I prefer Mond and his athleticism over Wilson But for Mills, I I wanted to kind of – he was going at pick 180 in mock drafts in March, just a month ago, and now he's going pick 91.8, which Kyle Trask, 91.2, Mills, 91.8, and then there's a drop-off to Jamie Newman at 149.9. That's in mock drafts. So kind of a sleeper out of these – I guess you could call it the top eight guys that are all projected to go in the top 100 of the NFL draft. Mills is a guy that – you will be able to get for free. And and if he's in a situation where he's behind a, a, a Tom Brady type of a player where he can learn, not really learn, but more develop for two years, I think Mills could be someone that you could stash on a taxi squad. Yep, definitely. There is some intriguing guys. You mentioned uh, from Jamie Newman. For me, someone I have a little bit of interest in uh, as someone who's barely been mentioned. And Part of it is you look at some of his stats in college. The big thing is his his year in 2019, he had a solid year with Wake Forest, transfers to Georgia. Would have been nice to see what he could do there, but then he opts out. So we don't get to see what he can do in Georgia. No workout metrics, not a lot to go off of, but some rushing upside. Aaron knows me. I like quarterbacks with rushing upside. They're the best for you in fantasy. These are the guys I like. He has a bit of that. So while we don't have workout measures or anything like that, and you just mentioned he's going like 149th in mock drafts, something like that. So 
Not a guy getting a ton of interest, but should he end up on a team? He's definitely developmental. Let's see what happens because I, I, I do think there's some intrigue there with him. And and then I, I just, as far as we've talked, like I said, Aaron and I talked a lot last week about the quarterback class. So this was uh, just to get kind of some of Cody's thoughts mainly, but I do just want to say, fuck I hope Fields or Lance end up in Denver. That's my biggest thing with this quarterback class. Give Denver one of those guys. I just want to. I just want to see it. I just want to see it, please. Okay, okay, okay. So the final, final category would be best and worst landing spots. And so best for me, I'm going to stick with my thing. <laughs> I'm going to say Fields or Lance to Denver. Now, originally, I was feeling any wide receiver to Baltimore. That's what I had written down. But that's because I was thinking, really, best case scenario for them would be to trade for Julio. Now that I know more about that, that's not likely to happen. Because I feel like Julio is someone ready to go plug him in and he could be dynamite for Lamar Jackson. And I, I just like, are they going to find that in this draft? But it does look like they're targeting a receiver. I, I just, I agree that he definitely needs one. And it, if they're going to go after one, maybe Terrace Marshall is the one to go after. Uh, but, you know, they signed Sammy Watkins, Hollywood Brown. I mean, it's it just, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But initially, I have put down any wide receiver to Baltimore, but I'm, I'm changing a little bit on that based on our discussions here tonight. Um, but I took the easy route with best because I just, I, I, I'm serious. I want one of those quarterbacks in Denver. I will throw a hissy fit if I do not get one of those quarterbacks in Denver on the pod next week. I'm going to throw a fit. Uh, probably not really. But maybe. Anyway, okay, so that's what I got. We're going to throw it to Aaron, and then we'll let Cody close it out. Go ahead, Aaron. Right. Well, one of the mock drafts I saw recently would just be absolutely horrible for the running back class, and that's Travis Etienne to Washington? What the hell? Like, we, we already have Antonio Gibson there. Like, it's tough to get good young running backs, so why the hell would someone want to even – wish that upon us fantasy owners here where we're just going to going to sabotage the the rb1 of this class in etn along with one of the exciting second year running backs don't do it don't do it washington i i will find you i will give you a football team name and then i'll take it from you <laughs> it's ridiculous don't do it travis etn to washington would be horrible now on a more positive note there is an intriguing tight end destination that I like because the Indianapolis Colts never really addressed the tight end position. We, we thought one of the big two free agent tight ends, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith would, would go to Indianapolis. It seemed to make sense. They have this need. They, they run kind of a platoon of tight ends. They have Jack Doyle. Mo Alley Cox is still there. But Trey Burton is a free agent, and Burton is not great. He is he is a jag. He's just another guy. But Trey Burton had success last season. Uh, he was actually he had a 15% hog rate that was number six in the NFL last season. If he was on the field, 
they were going to utilize him as a receiver. And he was able to just put up 28 catches and 250 yards, but he scored five touchdowns. That allowed him to finish number 23 in tight ends and points per game at 7.6. So just this small role is good for tight ends. And there's a tight end that fits that move tight end role perfectly. That's Mr. Brevin Jordan. Jordan did not test as well as we were we were hoping for. Earlier, you gave a, a comp to, to Johnu Smith for, oh, which, which rookie? Oh, Quentin Morris. Well, when I saw Brevin Jordan before the workout metrics, I was like, huh. 31.5% college dominator, that's 90th percentile, an 18.1 breakout age, 99th percentile. And I was like, okay, just needs to test well. And it's, we got the second coming of Johnu, and he proceeds to be the false prophet. He's, he's the false prophet. Johnu is the fantasy football tight end god. Brevin Jordan is the false prophet of fantasy football tight ends. But he does have just enough speed, and he has ball skills. He clearly does with the breakout age, like the college dominator. And you pull up the stats, too. What, what impressed me about his profile is as his targets and receptions went up, so did his yards per reception. And that's, that's a difficult thing to see. Sometimes you see the guy that, like, his yards per reception skyrockets. And then the next season, when he's heavily featured – naturally goes down because he's getting more coverage but that final season in Miami 576 receiving yards and he averaged 15.2 percent he had a catch rate 71.7 percent seven touchdowns like he fits that Trey Burton role he'd be Trey Burton plus like he could have a top 20 uh tight end season in terms of fantasy points per game if he goes to Indianapolis and immediately fills that that void left by Trey Burton which shouldn't take much to to fill Real quick, I just want to hop back in here because I remember talking a couple weeks ago or so about this and Brevin Jordan to the Colts. We discussed that. So fantastic. You brought it back around. And then I did on the fly, just a quick worst case scenario, a worst landing spot. It was talked about on radio, uh, Roto World, Underworld Radio, apologies. <laughs> and this idea that the Buccaneers could at pick 32 take a luxury pick, potentially a running back. What the hell? Now, some people will look at how that would hurt a Leonard Fournette or something. And for me, it's more about dashing my hopes of any future for Keyshawn Vaughn. So, because I still have hope, still have hope. So that one I heard about, and I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding. And it, had, it popped into my head, so I had to bring it up. And now I just realized I hope that wasn't something of Cody's because I'm going to feel bad if I snuck in there. So we'll let Cody finish it off and hope I didn't rob you of something. So there you go. The best part is that we're all three going to hit Travis Etienne in this worst case scenario. <laughs> Washington, Tampa, and mine was Jacksonville. <laughs> because – Obviously, we know James Robinson is there. And, yeah, we can look at it two ways. I think it would be a great scenario to be back with Trevor Lawrence. But right. you still got LaVisca and you still got uh, James Robinson, who are both in – both really roles that ETN fits. Like, ETN can catch out of the backfield, obviously, we know. You can line him up out in the slot. You can – like, everything there, I think that just whole situation kind of nukes his upside of being the RB1 in this class overall – in year one, for sure. Love the Brevin Jordan. 
yak ability. He is, that's what's going to carry him. That's why he's comparable to John, who just pure yak. Um, from a tight end position, one of my favorite landing spots, replace one hunter with the other hunter. Hunter Henry, Hunter Long, two of the Chargers. Love that. Yeah. yeah. To, to be honest with you, you put Hunter Long, Pitts, Friermuth, uh, Yeboah, um, even maybe a John Bates. Zach Davidson would be dope too, but, I mean, they got Parm there. Any of those guys in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers and Herbert, I, I think will thrive in that offense. So I love that. At receiver, I'm going to go out on my my fantasy favorite landing spot. It's going to sound completely stupid, right? 200 targets, like ridiculous upside in this. Jamar Chase to the Detroit Lions. You would not assume this to make a lot of sense. You would say, oh, go to Cincinnati and play with Burrow. But who the hell wants to go there when, when Mixon's pulling 50 targets? Higgins is going to pull 120. Boyd's going to pull 120. They're going to draft a tight end. Go to Detroit, dude. Play the opposite side of Brashad Perriman. Play outside of Hawkinson. Swift is there. There's not that much talent. There's just some nice talent. No reason Goff and Chase. That team's going to go 1-15 next year. Why can't J- Jamar Chase go for 1,500 receiving yards? I fucking love it. I fucking love that one. Whoo, that's the way to end it too. So let's end this tea party. Let's end this tea party. And uh, yeah, let's get excited for the, we can't get any more excited for the draft. And uh, so speaking of one last thing, everybody wants to trade. It would seem in this damn draft, everybody. Yeah. Atlanta, Detroit was going to trade back. Now, New York, Miami, Dallas, Carolina, people want to trade up. People want to trade back. Gruden wants a quarterback. That kind of rhymed. But so <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts on all this crap? I mean, because realistically, we'll probably see something a little crazy at some point. But it, like not all these teams are going to trade. So you're going to see things like maybe a Pitts to Atlanta, a Jamar Chase to Detroit, which I just fucking love now. Fantasy purposes. That is fucking great. I'm like, that is, yes, I love it. So with all this trade stuff, what are your thoughts? Do you got a big one in mind of what could happen? All I got is, of course, Denver going up to get a quarterback. That's the only one I can think of. Clearly, I'm hanging on to that one tight. Anything with you guys before we get out? Um, I'll go that the New York Giants will not make a trade because David Gettleman, but uh, a team that I believe will trade down. Like it's not Atlanta. Like the reason Atlanta is going to take Kyle Pitts is because I don't think anyone's straight enough to pick four because everyone knows that they're not taking quarterback and then uh, pick five Cincinnati. They're not going to take quarterback pick six. My uh, Miami's not going to take quarterback. So pick seven Detroit has, I think that's going to be the next pick that gets traded. People are going to kind of call their bluff on, on Atlanta and go, all right, you know, do it. You know, we dare you to, to take the quarterback, if, or, you know, which they, all the, all the recent stuff. I mean, it was Adam Schefter on the podcast saying that he, he believes that Kyle Pitts to Atlanta, that's done deal. Um, the team that I believe will trade up is the new England, new England Patriots to get the quarterback. I could see Detroit, in New England, they've done plenty of trades in the past. Maybe they pick up the phone again. 
making a trade because Detroit, they are just starting the rebuild. This is what the Dolphins started two years ago. This is what the the Jaguars are uh, started last season. It's the very first step of these types of rebuilds is you acquire as many draft picks as possible, and it's going to involve trading down. Detroit, Jamar Chase, if he's there, yeah, we'd love to see him. But like from the rebuild, like I could see them going, oh, you want us to move down to the middle or late first round and we pick up, you know, an extra first and plus other picks? Sure, that helps with our rebuild. As for New England, they seem to – New England was bad last year, but they had all these opt-outs that they're that are back on the team. Then they invested heavy money on offense. It seems like they're kind of like Bill Belichick gets probably watched Tom Brady lift the lift the Super Bowl trophy um, in his drunken state and go, "Oh, I'm coming for him this this year." Uh, New England never trades up, but times are changing, and and it seems that they are just they are one big play now. Typical New England move would be they trade up, but they don't take the quarterback. They take Devontae Smith that, that Cody mentioned. Oh, that would just that would be great. That would be we need that for the draft. That would be entertaining. So Detroit to trade down to get picks for the rebuild. New England to trade up because they're trying to compete. I would I would have to lean, you know, Miami's the one that makes sense, but they already traded down and back up. I don't think they're going to move again. With your Falcons to Pitts, this has been the toughest one for me, especially with this Julio Jones news coming out. And I think the Falcons stand pat. Should they trade back? Yes, they should trade back to the Broncos. I think that is a scenario where the Broncos get up to four and then they can go get whichever of Fields or Lance they want. Uh, that would make Ryan happy, obviously. But what I think makes the most logical sense for the Falcons is to stand pat or trade back to eight, nine, and draft Patrick Sertain to go the opposite side of AJ Terrell. Their DBs have been trash last year. And, and you can't roll out Kendall Sheffield and Isaiah Oliver next to AJ, AJ uh, Terrell. Uh, Patrick Sertain needs to go there. I have JC Horn as my cornerback one in this draft, but. They need to go there. Uh, trade up, uh, like I said, Broncos, um, Lions, logical trade back. Vikings have been rumored to go up into ten, but I don't see I don't see a reason why they need to go up into ten unless they think Slater's not going to make it out. Um, I think that spot eleven is the, the 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 kind of the wall that Slater hits. Slater's not getting past the Giants, and I think Slater helps the Vikings immensely. That would be one I could see them trading up, but I don't see the Dallas coming back. Dallas needs a corner. I don't see, you know, Carolina and Detroit are the only two teams really that make sense to come back out of the top 10. Um, but uh, Detroit's not going to trade with an inter-division foe. And then really outside of that, I don't think Arizona moves up. And then you also have Washington, Chicago, who could make a move, but I just don't see that coming, coming down the drain at all. So I think it's going to be a very uneventful top 10. Uh, strictly because I think we have an idea where most people are going to go, but I'm just ready for the nuke. I, I don't know who the nuke is going to be. And, and I think certain is going to be my projected guy. That's going to kind of put a wrench in this whole thing. It does feel like it, it. something always happens to throw, as you said, a wrench into things. <clears throat> and um, 
I don't know. I guess for me, I I could see really realistically it being the Patriots or the Broncos. I mean, as far as big trade-ups, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. Something crazy is going to happen regardless. Has to. And it, it'll be even crazier if Justin Fields goes number three. Like uh, me and Cody think. That's right. That's right. See, and I feel bad because he had such an awesome take with Jamar Chase to the line. It should ended it then, but we had to get some trade talk in. So there we go. Everybody's excited for hey, the draft. I, that's that's such a hot one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. Say it again. It's, it's not even. It's not even. It's not even beautiful. It's just like imagine that, dude. Like for fantasy, for fantasy only. Right. And it almost seems obvious. Like yes. It makes so much sense. They have Tyrell Williams. Maybe the, <laughs> the most Detroit move ever. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense too. I love it. Okay. Fantasy purposes. That is fantastic. He might have a great rookie year. Okay. All right, boys. Thank you very much, Cody, for joining. We greatly appreciate it. It's been an honor to have you. I have no idea how long we've been talking fantasy football. I know it's about 2.30 in the morning for me. <laughs> to give people an a, idea of what time we'd be doing this. I don't know what, what time is it. So it's 3.30 for, for <laughs> 3.30 uh, my time. There yes. we go. But, and Cody? You know, it's, it's been a blast. 4.30 out here. Oh, oh, I'm going oh, to go, about to go make some eggs and bacon, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Cody, okay. we, we can't thank you enough. Like, man, you, you're the man with the insight here with these rookies. You've known these rookies a lot longer than Ryan and I have. So we appreciate you taking time, man, to join us on the Dynasty Wonderland. I appreciate you guys having me on big time. This is uh, This is a good time, man. I appreciate you guys. Hell yeah, we appreciate you, man. It was definitely an honor and a lot of fun. And hopefully we can do it again sometime soon. So remember, Cody, what's it? Shout out your uh, social media there, Cody. So I don't know. At Carpenter NFL on Twitter. At Carpenter NFL on Patreon. Check it out. Right. Aaron, now to you. At Aaron Stu09 on Twitter. At RMK Man is on Twitter and the gram, and we are getting out of here, people. Oh, Thank man, you so much. Yeah. Next week, we're talking Wonderland. about the draft. <laughs> Later on, people. <laughs> Later.